alibi. Origin late 17th century as an adverb in the sense of elsewhere, from Latin elsewhere. The noun use dates to the late 18th century. Elsewhere is where I live and where I travel. Through the gloom and between the moments, I visit places, people, and occasionally things. I listen to their dreams, their desires, and I keep their secrets. And yes, sometimes I am their excuse. Welcome. I'm Babiol, and this is the Alibi Tent. Today is Monday, August 3rd. Monday is appropriate for the intentions concerning psychic work, spiritual work, marriage, and fertility. Today is also the time of the full corn moon in Aquarius. Aquarian moon is good for intentions dealing with pushing boundaries, innovation, and originality. The patron demon is Marquis Le Rarier, and he is particularly useful in directing and actualizing your goals. This full moon podcast is going to be a little different in content. Usually I share with you accounts of clients that visit my tent and their experiences, but today I've decided to share with you a personal experience. I'm aware many psychics claim that their abilities came to them as a young child or after a traumatic event. That, however, is not my situation. My abilities have been with me since birth, and as a result, the learning curve has been steep, clumsy, awkward, isolating, and at times painful and frightening. I have mentioned before my struggle with discerning the difference between the tangible and intangible, what is happening in this realm from what is visiting from another. Many times those struggles were private, and I only had to deal with my own shock and embarrassment. But there are other times when my struggle has been very public, and they have produced feelings of humiliation and the dissolution of relationships both professional and personal, not on my part, I must add. Loneliness and isolation are very real and constant challenges. But after seeing the reactions of people to some of my public episodes, I can understand both the necessity and practicality of the requirement of remaining solitary. So without further ado, and in honor of Marquis Larayer, I present to you my experience. At the time of my story, I had just moved into a new house. I was often home alone, cleaning and unpacking, which gave me ample time to get used to my new surroundings and the energies that were present, both mundane and other. I have since learned that this is a necessary part of moving for me in order to be my best for my family, but at the time, it was just the way things had to be. The area we moved to was rural and a bit unusual, because unbeknownst to us, everyone in the little town where we had moved were related by blood, except my family. This combined with the dubious and annoying distinction of having moved into what was known as the haunted house assured that my children's relocation and adjustment were going to be even more difficult than expected. 
It was with all of this in mind that I was going about my chores and trying to make at least our home as pleasant and homey as possible. I had no reason to expect any visits from the non-corporeal, let alone from one that I had known as a living being. So when I sensed something, I first thought it had something to do with the house itself or the area. They didn't announce their presence nor engage in communication. Whoever or whatever it was seemed to prefer being an observer. I reaffirmed my boundaries, did my usual protections, and kept my eye on the energy. Eventually, they revealed their appearance, which was unfamiliar to me, so I continued as I had been, thinking that this being had something to do with the area. When, as a result of their actions, it became apparent that the being was unaware that I could see or hear it, I asked them what they were doing and why they were around me. I admit that I wasn't in the best of moods at the time it happened. I was in a situation that was similar to being followed by your friend's youngest sibling as they incessantly asked you questions and pointed out the obvious while you were trying to complete a project in 90 degree heat with 96% humidity and kept dropping your tools. I wasn't rude or mean, just direct. This shocked them into stillness and instead of answering, they remained frozen in place because they thought that if they stayed quiet and still, that they could hide. This happens often with humans that have passed, but each has their own way of dealing with being discovered. Theirs was to hide. I shrugged and informed them that they could choose not to talk, but if they insisted on being around me and in my home, that they were either going to have to explain themselves or leave. And without a word, they left. I'm aware in the current societal trend that this may seem harsh and even against paranormal community customs, but I don't conduct my life in accordance with reality TV storylines, and the ones that say having firm and healthy boundaries is mean are the ones most likely to manipulate or victimize you. Hashtag truth. Soon they were back, slinking around and thinking they were hidden. Being in a not so hot and glowy state this time, I let them slink for a bit before letting them know that I knew they were there. They repeated their stay still and hide tactics, so I kept talking with them. They were embarrassed, but brassy enough to think that I was bluffing and stayed where they were. I reminded them of our last interaction and that since they were being rude and not stating their business, that they would have to leave. They remained where they were and did the equivalent of clicking their tongue in a, yeah, right manner. At this, I locked eyes with them and I told them, in no uncertain terms, that behavior like that might have been tolerated by their mother or their teachers, but that shit didn't fly here. I had their attention. After a moment where neither of us communicated, I again asked them what they were doing around me and in my home. They kind of stammered and then mumbled that they weren't doing anything. I asked what they meant and they again said they weren't doing anything, just hanging around. I turned from them and as I went back to my work, I told them that hanging around wasn't permitted in my space so unless they had business, they would have to go elsewhere to waste time. They had been lying, of course, about just hanging around, so the finality of my words put them in a bit of a panic. They admitted they had been wondering about something, but they were a little confused. I kept my back to them, 
and continued my work, but I invited them to explain. I was relieved. This was where they were going to tell me why they were here. I thought about sharing with you what they said, but I realized to do so would break a weird old transmundane witch and unliving person privilege. And while I will and do share the parts of stories where I have an active role, I value privacy, and if the person is decent, has no plans on victimizing anyone and respects my boundaries, I have the utmost respect for those that are straight with me and trust me with their personal problems in order to get help. What this being said to me at this point had to do with their death, and that is something that I hold sacred. I appreciate that they entrusted their experience to me, but it is just that, their experience, and I don't feel it's right to divulge the details to the world. Sorry, not sorry. I will say that in this being's case, they were human and had passed recently, and they vacillated between confusion and lucidity. In their aware state, they tended toward arrogance and indecorousness, like a teenager. But in their kinder moments, I could tell that they were struggling to remember just what they needed help with. I felt for them. Confusion can be a terrifying thing, and I couldn't just sit idly by and let them flounder. So we hung out, me doing my work, and them just being there, like your best friend's little brother. They don't want to be annoying, they just want to be included. Anyway, I learned nothing that day, nor in the many days following. But over time, I did get to know them. It was very similar to the friendship developed with a roommate. You work out how to let them know when you need alone time, how to share that you just aren't feeling good or when you don't have time to talk. We also learned about each other's tastes and pet peeves, and we were privy to some intimate knowledge about relationships and so on. Little by little, usually when they were focused on something totally unrelated, they would just matter-of-factly state details about their life while they were alive. At first they didn't notice they did it, but over time they became aware and we would work from there, trying to see if there was anything more that they could remember. Bit by bit, over the course of almost a year, they and I worked on filling in their memory gaps so we could deal with the issue. Then one day, out of the blue, a friend from out west calls. Surprise! He and his mother are nearby. She wanted to come visit since we moved into the new house and intended to just pull up in the driveway, but the area we lived in was rural enough that getting exact directions to our house at that time wasn't possible. Turns out they were about 20 minutes away. And in that time, all we could do was make coffee and snacks and wonder in amazement what would cause them to drive over 2,000 miles on a whim. A little backstory here. The mother didn't like me. She was one of those women that enjoyed being the only woman in her house. And any intrusion by another female, no matter how well intended, was viewed with suspicion and a little contempt. So while the rest of my family became excited, I was preoccupied with worry as to the true nature of her visit. When they arrived, my already nervous intuition was pacing. We made our greetings on the porch and stayed there and chatted for a bit. Then I suggested we go inside so they could relax and get a snack. 
We were heading in the front door in single file when the mother grabbed me by the arm and asked me to stay on the porch with her. She needed to talk with me for a second. When everyone realized we weren't in the foyer with them, they came back to the door and opened it to ask if we were coming. Quicker than I thought she could move, she was at the door and shushing people back inside. She needed to talk with just me. When she turned around, just for a second, she looked the way she normally did around me. Face in a focused frown, staring at me with intent. I know my face was showing my confusion and a bit of anger at her coming into my home and bossing my family as if they were hers. As she walked across the porch to me, she noticed my expression, slowed a little in her step, then quick as you please, she plastered a disingenuous smile on her mouth and half apologized slash explained that she just wanted to have me all to herself for a moment. I didn't change my expression, nor did I speak. She pretended not to notice and started talking about the weather and the trees. I just looked at her with the same expression and remained silent. She gave it the old college try, that's for sure, but eventually relented in her effort to control the situation, dropped the act, and her head. In a beat, she started speaking and looked up at me with her natural expression. Then she got real. She started with admitting that when we met back west, she didn't like me. She even tried several times to trap me into saying something or doing something that she could use as an excuse to bar me from their home. And more backstory, she and her husband were much older than me. I had no reason to go to their home aside from being asked by my friend to come along, and even then it was a bit under duress. I was straight and told them I knew the woman of the house did not like me, and it felt wrong for me to be there. But when friends want you to be friends with their friends, there is often a lack of objectivity and or practicality on their part. So on visits, I stayed quiet, spoke when spoken to, and respected her home and her rank in it. The complication was that her husband liked me. And no, not like that. He and I shared many commonalities, one of them being that we both worked in the same gas station. Not the same physical building, but the same chain, because we were both from back east. Until her husband discovered that, he too had been rather quiet toward me. But since he was still working as a mechanic, my friend brought up the subject and he perked up. He fielded many questions to see if it was a lie, me being a girl and all that. But after I passed the inquiries, he relaxed and became very chatty. I shrank inside because I could see his wife's reaction as she stood behind him. I tried to remain cordial while keeping my replies short and close-ended. He noticed and backed off a little in embarrassment, thinking he had rambled too long. And this was how the visits went until I moved. The things you do for friends. After the husband died, contact got more frequent but not regular. And then, the surprise visit. So now that you're all caught up, I'll move on. After her confession on my porch of her dislike for me, 
She seemed at a loss as to where to go from there, and I took it as an opportunity to share a bit, too. I told her I knew she didn't like me, and that I did my best to give her no reason to be even more insecure when I was in her home, because I respected that it was her and her husband's home, and I was a guest. But now she was a guest in my home, who arrived unannounced, I might add, and her behavior thus far was making me regret the courtesy I had shown her. And there we stood, her quickly mulling over what courses of action she could take, and me knowing if she took too long to tell me why she was at my home, I was going to do it for her. Because you see, my spirit roommate was there. He had shown up just a few moments before they arrived, and it was then that both he and I figured out who he was and what he needed help with. I won't bore with the details. I'll just say that she got the advice she had come for, plus some. And before she and her son left, she gave me a genuine hug. Not in thanks, but in celebration of her freedom. This be kind trend that has been going on for a few years, on its face doesn't seem like a bad idea. Except that those that need to practice kindness never will. And those that have been forced into being kind by peer pressure are making it easier for the unkind people to prevail. Practice kindness in moderation and be discerning when you do. Those that will appreciate it will notice the worth of your effort and energy. Those that have no appreciation won't. Somewhere between the mundane and the mysterious, the privileged and the primitive, the divine and the damned is the alibi tent.